Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and the Coalition Snow Ambassador. And I'm Joan Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are with us in Season 1, we are glad you're back. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is all about taking conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and even at the dinner table and bringing them to you bi-monthly for productive, meaningful conversations that explore alternative narratives to the conventional dialogue about what it means to be a woman in modern society. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. So this episode is dedicated to when I was missing Jen so much that I talked to her Instagram page. And this started for us, uh, well, sorry, I shouldn't say for us because this was really one-sided because Jen was posting and, and doing her trip. But um, it started kind of in early March. Jen and I just had these personal kind of whirlwind goodbyes. She was on her way um, leaving to go on her bike trip and I had my blessing way and I kind of remember that day it was like hectic there was like a lot going on and I sort of got like a hug from you and you were like packing up your car to drive to San Francisco to fly and we'd been spending this awesome amount of time together doing our juicy bits recording and we knew the time was sort of coming to an end and we'd we'd plan the recordings we'd film we were really thoughtful about it but then it was like happening and I was like oh my god we're like going on the separation and it was not easy for me even though I had all this you know there was all this great stuff going on but what I found myself doing was talking to her Instagram page and it felt natural to me but at the same time the comments and things I had they weren't meant for social media you know I love social media obviously I'm new to Instagram live but that's cool uh, you learn something new every day but I was more um, having these paragraphs and you know I didn't think the like really sufficed where my love and energy really was for her so here's what I did. I really, I was like almost like journaling to her. And I'm sure I'm not alone. There's people out there right now that are like, uh-huh, definitely, Jillian. I did the same exact thing. I was like talking to Jen's page and just obviously sending you good energy and good vibes because I knew what you were embarking on was you were super prepared for it. But as you learned, there were things that you could not have prepared for. So I wanted to share this on Juicy Bits because I think it's a testament to the work that Jen and I have done together. And it's kind of also a testament to the to the work we're gonna do um, moving forward. So here are some of my thoughts to Jen, and it's not all of them, so don't worry. But I'd like to start with thought number one, and I'm gonna pull up this photo so I can kind of have the energy in front of me. And this was from uh, March 20th. This was day three. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of starting with this one because for me, it was, it was so connected to the larger lessons and like the larger dialogue that Jen and I often have. This is Jen here. Um, just to give all of our listeners a little bit of context, I'm sitting in the studio right now with Jillian. And um, I have not heard, I mean, I, I knew that this is what she wanted to record today. And this kind of came up um, in a conversation that we had had in July, um, or maybe even in June, when I had finished my cycling trip from Nairobi to Cape Town. And I was in Cape Town still. And she had told me that she was like speaking to my Instagram and I thought that was incredible. And we decided that we were going to record a podcast about it. But what's really special about this is that she's actually on her phone looking up these photos right now and is about ready to record sort of her tribute to me and how much she missed me when I was gone, which is awesome because I missed her so much too. 
So over back over to Jillian. All right. So we're on um, Yogareki's page. We're on uh, day three. It's March 20th, and it's in Tanzania. And I saw this photo, and it's a, a group selfie. And what stood out to me was the lessons, right? The lessons that every – if we have a critical eye, we can take lessons from everything. So in this photo, there are these beautiful smiling faces. But the one that is dominant, right, is this white male. And so right away, I'm thinking, all right, I have this, you know, like this total desire to talk to Jen and be like, who is this guy? Why is he dominating the photo? And I could almost see behind her smile, right? Because she has this train smile um, that she got from, is it okay that I reveal this? Like how you have, because if you've noticed ever, Jen is incredibly photogenic. She does this like this great smile. I don't know how she does it because I'm always like, And so I'm looking at her smile, and it's not the usual one. So I'm like, she th- might be thinking it, too. And so this is where my dialogue's going, where I'm like, Jen, who is this guy? Why is he taking over all the space? You sort of like, you know, you don't need to hit us over the head that you're the biggest in the photo and then you're the center. When I'm like, come on, dude, you have these beautiful other humans around you. You have people of color. You have women. You have all different ages. And there's even people in the background kind of trying to poke their head up like, I want to get in on this. And to me, I was like, Jen, this guy's obviously in charge, right? Why couldn't he make space for other people? And I'm thinking she's cycling through this, having the same exact thought and wondering who this guy is. And I could not wait to find out who he was. And do you want to talk a little bit about who he was or should we save that for? So I think so. I'll just briefly say who this guy was. We're going to definitely get into this on another Juicy Bits. But for now, the person who's in this photo is the individual who decided that I would, for some reason, be the thorn in his side for the entire trip. And I was lucky enough to be on the receiving end of his bullying and harassment for many days, many days. So I was sharing meals with this person and camping with them and then trying to not cycle with them because they were not the nicest human being. And that really colored my trip in a way that I hadn't planned. And the interesting thing about that photo that you're looking at since it's day three, we were actually all getting along still Mm -hmm. at day three. So what I found fascinating about Jillian's perception of this photo is for her to look at it and be like, what's up with this? Like, there's something not right here because she saw it before I saw it. Mm. When you pointed that out, I kind of had this aha moment of like, wow, on day three, it hadn't even crossed my mind that there was going to be any sort of conflicts or any issue. We were so much about the cycling and just getting the trip going, and it was amazing, um, and I hadn't really realized it yet, but you picked up on that. Yeah, that's what happened. So, And I think it goes back to an episode we did last season where we talked about kind of the spectrum of, of support. Actually, the spectrum of support kind of came from Whitney's podcast, but when she was a guest on ours, but more the spectrum of ally. And I think about this guy where you're like, okay, check your privilege a little bit. Maybe you could be the person on the outside taking the photo right and not being center so it's really you know that's again we were kind of aligned we're like you know what nine thousand miles away and there are things that really came in and this is this is kind of great this is a nice segue into my to my second thought because this is tanzania this is march 25th and this is a beautiful photo of two women and women on a bicycle and it represents motherhood And for me, you know, I had Juicy Bits and I was listening to Jen's voice and I could actually use Juicy Bits for myself to connect with some of the lack of intellectual feminine conversations that sometimes would drive me to drink. And just kidding, I didn't do that (laughs) last March because I was pregnant. And um, But for reals, like that can happen. It's a thing. And so 
in Juicy Bits, I'm listening to this and I'm kind of watching what Jen is up to. And I see this photo and I see her comment of not many women on bikes. And to me, I was like, if I could sit down with Jen, we would make this a whole episode. And we even had a woman contact us recently via email related to a bike shop in her community that was named after a early 19th century kind of movement to deny women access to bikes. And so again, when we look at things from a critical perspective, having access to a bike for many of us might be recreation. Here we're looking at these women, this access to bikes is like freedom and could maybe be something, yeah, transportation and maybe something that some women are denied access to. And so to me, I looked at this and I'm like, okay, this is linked to liberation and this is linked to freedom. So here, you know, you, you have a vision like this and then Jen's cycling for miles and miles and miles and it's probably going through her mind. Like knowing you as well as I do, you're not just like, oh, look at them. They're like beautifully dressed and clad color. And for me as a new mother, I'm looking at this beautiful child on the back and I'm thinking about, you know, ways that I, that I carry my, my daughter really close to me and like the love that that creates and kind of the secret thought you know, like, oh, maybe I'll carry Micah, that's my daughter, you know, when I bike like that. And then I'm like, oh, well, in the West, they're like, where's your safety helmet? And how come you're not like harnessing your child in this and protecting them in this way where I'm like, I'm sorry, that's so Western and it's kind of can be limiting. We're here, this just this beautiful essence of liberation for women and freedom and then also the ability. They're not recreating to me in this photo. It looks like this is about transportation, survival, probably access to food. And so, you know, to me, I wondered actually if Jen kind of ignored the baby because remember you shared how they sort of scare you. Small children scare me. Yeah. So this yeah. one doesn't look very terrifying, but they're safely sort of on the backs of the, the, the mother. Um, but maybe I was thinking how you're cycling and you're thinking about the liberation and the access and women on bikes and what that meant for you as someone, as a Westerner biking in Africa. Yeah, well, it's, I do remember that day. So it's it's funny to relive these memories with Jillian because there's for as much as people always wanted to hear about the trip I actually haven't had a lot of time to be able to get into it with people but every time she like I remember this moment exactly and when I rode past these women I actually stopped because I was surprised that I saw them because I hadn't seen a lot of women and I tried to talk to them but they didn't speak English and then but I did I was able to sort of like through hand signals ask them if I could take their photo and they said yes and one of the fun things about doing that and this is an experience that I've had in Africa you know regardless of what country I'm in when you show people a photo of themselves they get so excited because they've never seen photos of themselves so this is one of those things that we take for granted that we forget that when you have a smartphone that you know or that you actually take photos of yourself and you can see it but a lot of these women living in these rural areas you know they have phone they have flip phones that really just allow you to take a call and and maybe send an SMS right so they never get to see photos of themselves so i took a photo and i showed it to them and what i was thinking actually was how those women must have been thinking like what the fuck is wrong with this white lady why is she what is she doing because mm-hmm. i was riding alone which was probably surprising to them i had this like lime green helmet on i had a bike with a frame bag on it and I'm, I'm clipped in and I'm like charging down this dirt road because it's really fun. And they probably were like, what is going on? And then I and then I thought to myself, I really wish that I spoke their language so that we could have a conversation and I could find out what it was that they actually were thinking about me. But it was a cool, cool experience. Um, this is really nice. This is like a way for me to hear your side of my one-sided I Miss Jen Instagram story. It is. Um, the other one that you might... I don't know if this is what you thought, but this is what I thought when I saw it. So I'm going to go. There, There isn't a date on this, but it's day 18. And please mm-hmm. correct me on this pronunciation. Chitimba Rumpi Malawi? 
Oh, um, in in Malawi. So, so Ch- Malawi. So that was in Malawi. And is it? I think the um, Chitimba. Chitimba. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Um, it says, "Oops, I forgot to post about you." And it was. Oh, I did get the date. It was April eighth, and Micah was born on April sixth. So when I saw this, I was like, "Oh, Jen, you knew my daughter was born." And Micah came two weeks early. I had my water broke in the middle of the night. It was. You know, very it was all smooth as I think as births go. I don't know. I have nothing to compare it to, but she came early, so Jen might not have known her due date was four twenty. So you might have been thinking about me closer to that day because mm-hmm. I know how supportive you are of other women's choices, even if it's not your choice to be yeah. a mom. So I saw this and I was like, she's that's that's her subliminal message to me because she was going to post. And then if you read the rest, it says things about like laundry and bike maintenance. But I ignored that and just read the first line that she wanted to post about me. And then she puts these uh, shirts up. And so I took those shirts as blessings and messages for my daughter. Lauren Bello Okerman, the creative director for Coalition Snow and the woman who's behind almost all of our graphics and the imagery, made me special outfits. We called them Jen's African outfits. She designed graphics to put on t-shirts so that every day I could wear a shirt um, that would sort of, you know, motivate me and inspire me to get back on the bike. And so the shirts that Lauren had designed, one was a zebra smoking a cigarette because people who know me well know that sometimes I like a cigarette. Sorry, not sorry. It can be really nice. There also, which was my favorite shirt, was actually like, you know, the traditional like flipping, like flipping the bird. But then in the nail bed, it said, please. And there was underneath of the slogan that said asking nicely. So that really fit my personality well. And then Jillian, you want to explain the other ones? And then the third one, I only see three, is guns and buns. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, to me, it's just strength. And then there's like buns, you know, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you talked about this in the episode with Roz with the chamois cream. I don't really oh, know yeah. if it was in like your shirt. So I felt like your buns might have taken the a little bit cream, of a hit. The chamois cream actually, so I would rub the chamois cream all over my bits. So like it never needed to get on the inside of anything because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not like lube for that. I mean, I, I bet you could use it. For lube for sexual enjoyment, but I was just trying to like basically lube all of the skin, um, like labia and all of that, perineum, bum, so that when I was riding like 150K a day, like your skin would rub up against your shorts, mm-hmm. would run up against your chamois. And so the chamois cream that I got from Body Glide, it was awesome. Actually, it had a little bit of mint in it, so it tingled a teeny bit when you put it on, which was so nice. It was really just to like keep the sores away, and it mm-hmm. worked. It worked. So, yeah, to me, strength and good guns and good buns. So this post, again, were these these subliminal gifts and blessings to my daughter Micah from Jen and through Lauren, really, because she mm-hmm. created these. So that's a big part, you know, of this community that we're building. Thought number four is day 40. So it kind of moves along. You can imagine for, for myself, that was a little bit of a time I was kind of disconnected from social media, you know, a lot of... A lot of really close, um, snug and baby time. And I'll tell you, my days are pretty much filled with snugs and hugs today, which I'm, I'm proud to share that. As now she's almost five months old, there's there's space in my in my life and my day to come out here to the Reno Collective and be able to record juicy bits. So I'm happy to move us to day 40. And this is in Botswana. And I'm sure Jen's going to remember this day. So I don't mean to bring it up if, it was, if it's physically painful or you're still... <laughs> recovering with this knee injury but I see this picture and it's just 
you know, even from a distance, I can see like her kneecap and it's like bloody. And I'm like, damn, that looks really painful. But where it went because of my relationship with Jen and the things that we talk about and the things we aim to bring to say juicy bits is I initially was like, she's thinking about the difference between medical access in the West and in Africa and how she's going to get treated differently because she's a white Westerner than she would if she was a local person in Botswana. And I could be wrong about this, but these are kind of where my thoughts were going and how Jen and I would unpack this because I'm like, wow, is she going to feel safe going and getting like medical treatment in a facility as a woman? Is someone going to come along with her? And just sort of those questions that, that we might never have if we don't travel internationally or find ourselves injured in a in a foreign land but when we come back to the states or we're in the west and we're thinking about our access to medical care and who's denied that care and that i think exists in our own country so that was the conversation i was wishing to have with you while i was probably getting you antiseptic and band-aids or something yes so little context around this photo so it was day day 40 um that was a day that we we're riding through Botswana. Botswana is very flat. Um, it's just in like the same scenery and flat. It's almost like you're on this like never ending treadmill and you're like, when is the landscape going to change? And you would think that riding on something flat would be easy, but it's actually really painful mm-hmm. because your body doesn't get to move at all. It doesn't change. Like imagine if you're riding uphill or downhill, how your body's moving a little bit, but in Botswana it didn't. So the riding was painful just in general. Um, that day we ended up riding past tons of elephants. I probably saw... 15 elephants that day and really close up and it was amazing um but right after our first water break there was what i just referred to as the crash and um someone on the trip ran into me and i'm not going to name names because i know that person feels so badly about it it was a it was an accident but my knee like i became really good friends with the tarmac and the tarmac in botswana was almost like cheese grater it was really rough and so my left kneecap was completely torn up. There was like skin flaps and blood everywhere. And I just sat on, I was just lying on the side of the road. I couldn't even get up because I didn't know how hurt I was. I really wasn't sure because I had bikes on top of me. And when I finally got up, I realized like, okay, I can walk. This is fine. And I actually decided that I was going to keep cycling. So I just quickly, I put a bandaid over the massive skin flap because I thought maybe that should be one thing I cover up. But I didn't deal with the rest of it, and I wanted to actually just get to lunch and then be able to sit down with the medic and and talk about what was going on. So I rode another 50K, but I ended up being, like, the last person. I couldn't keep up because I was obviously in a lot of pain, and my knee was just growing bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was swelling. It was huge. It was, like, dripping blood. And I did ride another 50K and I pull into lunch and they were like, you're not riding anymore. Like you're, you're done, particularly because I was in a lot of pain. In terms of like the medical stuff, what was interesting about that is I actually opted for no medical care because I thought to myself, like, what would someone from here do? Like you would only go get x-rays and only go to the doctor if you couldn't walk. Mm. I could walk. I mean, it was painful. I was limping, but I just felt like that was unnecessary and that it was sort of like an unnecessary burden on the healthcare system and the medical infrastructure, which is so limited that like I wasn't dying and I knew I wasn't dying and I could actually still walk. And I felt like I needed a couple days to see if I actually needed medical care rather than going in and like being another human being to clog up an already really compromised system. So I didn't opt for any medical care. And that was some of the stuff that I was thinking. I also did think about like, wow, I have pretty massive open wounds right now. 
and I that should be dealt with. So um, I did eventually end up like wrapping it and like kind of keeping it covered because I was really worried about what could happen in terms of just like flies and other bugs and and things that I could catch. So mm. ultimately, I wasn't able to ride. I had two rest days that the whole group had rest days in Botswana, which was good. The timing worked out with that. And then I had to take a day off after that. And then I had two days of riding half time. And I was really just trying to like get my knee recovered so that I could crush it in Namibia, which I did. I crushed the shit out of Namibia. Sick. So I just recovered in the end of Botswana. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you're doing okay now? Going to be good for riding I've, season and Oh, yeah. I'm great. I've good. got awesome scars. Well, if They're you look so at the, awesome. I mean, the week later, yeah. it's, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's sort of like a psychedelic nightmare. But yeah. Yeah, I have really good, really good scars that are never, ever, ever going to go away. Well, I think what I'll do is I'm going to move on to thought number five, which might, which might close it out for this and my, you know, kind of love fest for Jen and my missing of Jen, moving us into day 63. And I think this one came a little late because I had the thought I'm about to share prior. If, if you followed her on Instagram, there was this bathtub shot that she mm. took. And you were kind of like, okay, I was like, I get it. I've traveled before in places where I understand the luxury of maybe being able to like clean yourself in hot water and maybe have a like a kind of a rustic room, which seemed like was a luxury Mm -hmm. on part of this trip. Mm -hmm. But what I loved about the Instagram that you did was I was felt like I was along. You did thoughtful text without it being too much, because what I like about Instagram is I don't necessarily always want to read paragraphs and paragraphs. Yeah. So I thought it was really thoughtful. But when you got to this um, again, it's day 63 where May 20th, it's Springbok Caravan Park. First day in South Africa. Springbok is right on the board. It's like the biggest town nearest to the Namibian border. So we had crossed the border that morning from Namibia into South Africa, and that was our first full night in SA. And so I don't know if I made this up. You could shed some light on it here. But what I loved about this post and what I sort of imagined talking to you about was your time at camp. Mm-hmm. And what it actually looked like. Because I was just like, I literally had this moment where I pictured Jen just cycling for, you know, 28 hours a day. I was like, <laughs> she never stops. I'm like, are they like iron people athletes that just like pee on themselves? Like, what are they doing? I did pee on myself. Yeah. But, but not. It was, <laughs> it was more like at night when you would just try to like go to the bathroom and it was just, you know, the earth would be really dry and mm. it would splatter up all over you. Or like mm-hmm. you would pee and then it would drip all underneath mm-hmm. your tent. So you'd wake up in the morning and get ready to roll up your tent and you realize it was like covered in urine and you're like, well, what am I going to do about that? So there was a lot of, I did exist with a lot of my pee. Mm. Yeah. And you survived. So that's good. I'm okay. That's I'm a good. good. Yeah. P- PSA yeah, for yeah. people. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about this is I see, you know, like yoga asana happening and that's Roz in there, yep. you know, kind of keeping yourself limber. And I was like, yeah, I could imagine that being a part of camp. Then you just see this, you know, these slew of bikes. And I was like, all right, this is maybe what it's like. And I was trying to get the sense of what did it look like if there was downtime or what did sort of the community of the riders look like? Because I know you spoke in the podcast um episode with Roz about that group dynamic right and it was really hysterical to hear you be like (laughs) why did I go on a group trip when I don't really like groups and I'm sitting there like shaking my head and laughing and my heart is just shining for your honesty and also for the ridiculousness of that statement and then you get some you know these 10 structures and you got the you know the move from the cycling shoes to the flip-flops and so to me I just love this piece because it sort of gave me a sense with the laundry hanging out and everything going on of what your life was like in between the road and some of the beautiful wildlife and some of the challenges of it this was just like here's in your camp and then I also knew you were close and I was really excited for you that that 
that finish was so close and that not only were you going to make there. it. Yeah, and I was also <laughs> nervous for you, right? Because you finish Ugh. something like that and then you're like, there's got to be some sort of re-entry to it's non-cycling. A, it's a major, major mind fuck. So, so that day, okay, so that day in Springbok, so that was... Um, like I said, we crossed in, across the border, and we actually did have a rest day the next day. And we had we had one to two rest days about every seven days of cycling. And some of those rest days were around like being in a particular area where there was something really worthy to see. For example, when we were in Zambia, of course, you want to go to Victoria Falls, right? So we had rest days around around that. Um, this my rest days were actually not very restful because I was the one person on the trip who was working. Mm. So I did not have a seventy day holiday. I had a seventy day bike ride in which I also ran Coalition Snow from the road, and I was switching out my SIM card and my phone in every country, and I was connecting to the internet via a hotspot, and I would wake up at you know four a.m. in my tent scroll through my emails and social and get all of that done, pack up my sleeping bag in my tent, get on the bike. Oh, I'd eat four pieces of toast. One piece of toast would have peanut butter and a banana on it, three pieces of plain toast, two cups of coffee every single morning. That was my jam. And then I would ride. And when we got back into camp, there's obviously like setting back up your tent and managing that. We were really lucky because we had a support team, so we didn't have to do our own cooking. But I tried to help them a lot. So I was always like helping, trying to help cook and clean and stuff. And then as soon as dinner was done, I would go to my tent and I would work. And then on rest days, I was working. So while everybody else was either doing like touristy things or resting, I would be waking up, working all day. And then laundry was something that I would do. Um, life maintenance of like there's so much sand in my bag that I must empty out my bag right or I really need to wash my hair today this is like legitimately it's serious um or bike the bike maintenance was always something um that day actually when we pulled into Springbok I it was a weird day because I was kind of two hours behind everybody. So there's always like a front group that I could never keep up with them. They were always about like two to three clicks ahead of me, which I couldn't sustain for an entire day. And then there was sort of a back group that I was always faster with. And then, so I tend to ride in, in the middle. And for a lot of that, um, I was like trying to ride alone. So I was trying to stay away from the bully. Um, but then, so I, I rode alone a lot, but I was always kind of in, in the middle. But this day I was like really behind and I couldn't understand why. It was uphill the whole way. And and you might be thinking Africa flat. No, 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 no. We had serious climbs, okay? So it was a day full of climbing. And anyone who's been to South Africa like knows it's like rolling hills, you know, kind of like being on the coast of California, mm -hmm. right? But then um, also we were riding into a headwind. So it was a really tough day of riding. But then what I realized the next day when I was looking at my bike is that from the crash and just riding my bike for so long, the the discs on my brake was rubbing on the brake. And so I was actually, my brakes were on the whole day on my front and I didn't know it. So I was like, God, I'm so slow. Oh, I'm so tired. Day 63. No, my bike was fucked. <laughs> and so I was basically riding with the brakes on. Like, imagine that. Imagine riding with the brakes on uphill into a headwind. So that's no. what <laughs> that's what I figured out. And that was we um I luckily on that last leg, Simon, giving a shout out to Kenyan Riders, which is the professional cycling team out of Kenya. Simon was like their team manager and he was on the trip with us. So he and I worked on trying to fix my bike. So we got it kind of in working order, but as of today, the issue still persists. I just need to take my bike into a shop or something. But that was that day. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of 
something I'd love to explore on a later episode, which is sort of our inner critic or our, our inner dialogue that can sometimes speak louder than the positive one. And there yeah. you are with on your bike where basically your brakes are engaged and you're thinking, I'm slow, I'm mm-hmm. tired, what's wrong with me? And it was an equipment issue. And it's like yep. how sometimes we need to look outside of ourselves <laughs> and be like, no, you're actually fully, like you said, you just fucking crushed it in Namibia. Now you're, yeah, you're climbing, there's a wind. It's like fair that you yep. could also gauge yourself against, you know, other riders. But yeah, you want to get those brakes fixed. I need to get... Maybe new brakes. I I mean, I might need a new bike. Let's be honest. Like that thing, I'm never going to get rid of that bike. And it's it's a Marin Four Corners. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if it should be ridden on like really long trips anymore because there's things that are bent and it needs a lot of love and I love it. But it's, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed my thoughts and Ode to Jen. I actually, I have more, but I think I'm going to save those just for her. Maybe um, over coffee or lunch later. And we appreciate you tuning in. If you have any questions for Jen about her trip, or if you have questions for me about my thoughts for Jen about her trip, <laughs> <laughs> you know we always love to hear from our listeners. And maybe it's things that you love. Maybe it's things that you hate. But feel free to reach out to us at Juicy Bits at Coalition Snow. All right, friends. So we'll so go remember, back to yeah. reach out to us at juicybits at coalitionsnow.com. Yes. Until next time, juice the patriarchy. Bye. I do this. I move shit. I change rap forever, man. It's me who had the biggest plan. Ain't no average bitch. I've been the man. I've been the go eating off the land. It's me who took the widow shit to another level. And I'm killing it. They ain't want me. That's beginning ish. No, I'm too high. And they suck my dick.